You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta where we're covering your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including your Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com, where I've been the co-editor for several years over there. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube as well. Hit that thumbs up button and that notification bells. It does help support the show a ton when you do that. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you so you never have to go to a dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to vroom.com and check out thousands of great cars. On today's episode, going to be recapping Wednesday's 7-3 win over the Oakland Athletics, a two-game sweep in Oakland. The Braves' seventh win in a row. We'll talk about that. Spencer Strider's performance, the offense breaking out late in the game. We'll talk about how they've been doing in late innings this year. Talk about the troublemakers, Von Grisman, Michael Harris, who are off to great starts in September. And we'll talk about, the again, the offense as well, what they were able to do. Talk about some news as well, some injury news for Waskar Enoa. And, again, we're going to talk about the late innings uh, performances by the Atlanta Braves, which is very key heading into the postseason. But let's start with that Wednesday game. Again, a 7-3 win over the A's. Again, seven straight wins for the Braves and – this is what I love so much about this Braves team. Talk about it all the time. They had three really rough games. You go back to that Cardinals series. They blow a couple of late leads there. Then they come home, lose that first game to the Rockies with your ace on the mound. And you're thinking, you know, are the Braves about to go on a, a bad run? And they turn around and win seven in a row. You know, get to a point where they're tied with the Mets in the NL East. And it's just incredible to see what this team just constantly does. You know, they have a bad performance or two. They respond and come back, come right back and play winning baseball. And that's what great teams do. The Mets, unfortunately, did sweep a doubleheader against the Pirates on Wednesdays. They had Chris Bassett and Jacob deGrom going. They're two best pitchers right now with Max Scherzer on the IL. And so the Mets do go back in front in the NL East by half a game. But... Braves are right there, and this has kind of been my point all along with the NL East race down the stretch. The, the schedules being what they are in September, if the Braves can get to that three-game series against the Mets late in September, within you know two, three games of the Mets, you at least give yourself a chance. At that point, you'd probably have to sweep the series to really make an impact, but I think that's as much as you can ask for as a Braves fan, when you look at the schedules both teams have, you know, unless unless other teams are going to kind of keep helping out the Braves as the Nationals did and as the Pirates did winning one of those games, I just don't think you can expect that. I don't see many series losses for the Mets the rest of the way as long as they play like they have 
all year long. So in order for the Braves to catch them, they're going to have to win every series. They're going to have to sweep a couple of series like they've done recently in order to stay right there with the Mets and, again, give themselves a chance when that three-game series comes around. But Braves are doing all they can right now, and sweeping two games over the A's is certainly part of that plan. Now getting into Wednesday's game and Spencer Strider's performance, his final line, it looks like a typical Spencer Strider performance. Six innings, just two hits, did have three walks, gave up two earned runs and nine strikeouts. I mean, that's what we've come to expect from Spencer Strider, but it's how he got there that it makes this start so remarkable and incredible. And we talked about it a lot on the postcast. I use a lot of those same adjectives. He had a 36-pitch first inning. He almost got pulled in the first inning. And to be able to bounce back from that and give you what we've come to expect from Spencer Strider is just truly remarkable. And I'll take you back through that first inning. He went three and two on the first three batters of the game, walked two of them, and got the other to line out for a hard out. So three batters in, he's already gone full on all three batters. He's walked two of them, gotten one out. Then he gave up a double to Stephen Vogt, which made it a one nothing A's lead in the first inning. And then he got a, a hard-hit ground out. Luckily, went right to Dansby. That made it 2 to nothing. Then he went 3-2 to two on Jonah Bride and walked him. And that's when you really started thinking, okay, is he going to get pulled here? You know, one more hit, and it's, it's a potential that Spencer Strider's gone in less than an inning. Luckily, he strikes out the next batter. He's able to escape. But again, a 36-pitch inning. Jackson Stevens was up in the bullpen. And luckily, Spencer Strider was able to escape. Thought he was still a little erratic in the second inning, but you know, still retired the side in order. And after that, was just completely dominant. Retired 15 in a row, counting the last batter of the first inning. And retired 16 of the last 17 batters he faced. So not only did he rebound from a rough first inning, he was just completely dominant. Again, the Spencer Strider that we're used to seeing. And so I talked about this on the postcast as well. It's truly amazing that a young pitcher, you know, his first full season is able to adjust like that in the middle of the game. Something was off, whatever it was, release point, you know, having trouble with the landing spot on the mound. You saw Kyle Wright kind of barking at that on Tuesday. Whatever it was, he was able to make that adjustment mid-game and just completely dominate the rest of the way. Uh, I mean, I can't say enough good things about the start from Spencer Strider on Wednesday. His 10th win of the year, he moves to 183 strikeouts in 120 and two-thirds innings. I wrote an article about this over at TomahawkTake.com. You want to go check that out. But Spencer Strider has the possibility to really do some historic stuff with the strikeout numbers. If he gets 17 more strikeouts over the next 10 innings, which is, is a tall task, he could become the fastest pitcher ever to reach 200 strikeouts in a season. Randy Johnson has that record at 130 and two-thirds innings. So either way, you know, over his next two starts, he's right, he's likely to reach 200 strikeouts. And when he does, he's going to get there, be one of the fastest ones to ever reach that mark in a season. So just truly incredible stuff, what he's doing with the strikeout numbers, you know, a K per nine of 13. 0.5, which is the best in all of baseball pitchers over 120 innings. So uh, it's just truly remarkable how dominant he's been. 
threw 103 pitches on Wednesday, got 46 swings, 19 of them were swings and misses, and also got 18 called strikes. A 90.8 mile per hour average exit velocity, that's good for somebody who throws as hard as he does. Four of 11 balls in play were hit hard. Again, a couple of those coming in that first inning. Again, the word I, I wrote down here in my notes is just remarkable. I mean, I don't know what else I can say about Spencer Strider at this point. Again, I know he's in tough competition with Michael Harris. I mention it every time Spencer Strider pitches. I don't know how you go against what this guy is doing for NL Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's doing historic stuff we've never seen. But Michael Harris, who we're going to talk about in a minute, I mean, he has been just as good, and he plays every day. So, again, I'm hoping somehow they give co-rookie of the years because both guys really deserve it. And just finishing things off real quickly, the bullpen, McHugh, Matzik, Iglesias finished the game off the last three innings. I want to mention Matzik. Gave up a solo home run in the eighth inning of this game. Obviously a blowout, so it's kind of non-significant, which is when you love to see relievers give up runs when it doesn't really matter. It was the first run allowed by Tyler Matzik in a month. He hadn't given up a run since August the 7th. He's only had one full clean inning over that span, but just two walks in his last 10 appearances, both of those coming in the same game, and no walks in his last eight outings. So he's been really good. He's not the dominant Tyler Matzik we saw last year, and I certainly am not saying they need to rely on him in big situations, one-run games in seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. I think you could go to him if you needed to. I do think, and we talked about this the other day, with Dylan Lee losing some of that trust, I think Tyler Matzik is the guy you need to be bringing in in those spots where you've been bringing in Dylan Lee lately. Uh, Tyler Matzik, again, not as dominant. You know, the K per nine, not where we're used to seeing, but still effective, still getting batters out. He's been really good since coming back from the IL, and over the last month especially, he's been really great. So, I think he's somebody that Brian Snicker maybe needs to rely on, trust a little bit more in those middle innings in a close ball game. And Tyler Matzik certainly has earned it. All right, next I want to talk about the offense. Some big home runs from Bond Grissom and Dansby Swanson and those troublemakers off to a great start in September. We'll talk about that next. Winding down. The nights are getting longer. But the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life, and it's especially true in the bedroom when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique service online that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package arrives, Package arrives. Go to bluechew.com and use the promo code locked on to get a free month's supply and just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code locked on for your first month for free. It took a little while, but the Braves offense finally got going on Wednesday afternoon. They eventually scored seven runs, had another 10 hit performance, a double digit hit performance, one walk, just five strikeouts. Three for six with runners in scoring position. They've done a great job lately of taking advantage 
when they've had runners in scoring position and just six left on base. Three extra base hits, a double, and two homers. Riley and Olsen were the only starters to go hitless in this game. And it's just, again, talks about the depth of this lineup when your number three and four hitters go hitless and you still score seven runs and get 10 hits. Uh, this lineup, you know, when it's going top to bottom is just so deadly. They couldn't get anything going against Waldachuk in the first four innings. I talked about it yesterday. Good numbers for Waldachuk in the minors. I think he could become a pretty good little pitcher. Uh, the Rays couldn't do anything against him first couple of times through the order. And then, boom, all of a sudden, the, the two in the fifth inning, one in the sixth, four in the seventh. Those add-on runs, so big. We've talked about that a lot this year. They've done a much better job of that lately. But it's just the explosiveness of this offense and what they can do. And I was watching MLB Central the other day, and Tom Verducci was on there, and they were talking about the team that poses the biggest threat to the Dodgers. And he said it was the Braves because of their home run potential. And we saw that last year in the postseason. I mean, look at the way the Braves scored a lot of times. They had a lot of big home runs. And in the postseason, it's even harder to string hits together, to, to get walks and string some singles in there to score runs and manufacture runs. It's that team here lately that can all of a sudden just hang a two spot on you or get a big three run homer, you know, with runners on base and you have a lineup one through nine that can go deep. You know, that is the biggest threat to any team in the postseason that at any moment a team can flip the game, can make a two run deficit a tie game or or a one run deficit. You know, you take a lead on a multi run homer and that's exactly what the Braves can do. And it's why they are such as threat in the postseason. I know I talk about the strikeouts all the time and their inability to sometimes manufacture runs when the home runs aren't coming, and that's certainly part of it. But it's also what makes this offense so dangerous. And when they're clicking, and again, one through nine, you can go deep. That's what makes them so dangerous, especially in the postseason, when they can put a crooked number up on you really quickly. And that's exactly what happened on Wednesday. Again, Waldachuk cruising through four innings. All of a sudden, he hits Travis Darno. Von Grissom comes up, jumps on the first pitch, a beautiful opposite field home run to right center to tie the game up. And that's what I'm talking about. Just like that, you hit a batter, next pitch is a two-run homer, and it's a and it's a tie ball game. That's what makes the Braves so dangerous, makes their offense so dangerous. And then Dansby Swanson in the sixth inning, fell behind one and two in the count, fouled off a good pitch, and then took a couple of pitches for balls to, to work the count full, and then took a 96-mile-per-hour fastball up and in and just destroyed it out to left field for the go-ahead home run. I thought that was an incredible at-bat by him, 106.2 miles per hour off the bat, traveled 392 feet, but I honestly thought it went a lot further than that. But just an incredible bat by Dansby, and again, just like that, Braves tie it. Braves take the lead on a couple of home runs. The game went on to be, you know, a bit of a, a blowout, but those two swings really changed the momentum of the game. It looked like the Braves were going to struggle to get anything going, and then bam, all of a sudden, a couple of home runs, they're in the lead, and then they end up running away from it. And I wanted to talk about the troublemakers a little bit. Von Grissom and Michael Harris, they continue to do great things. Michael Harris had two hits on Wednesday, extends his hitting streak to 14 games. After a great August where, you know, he was just incredible. He's off to a fantastic start in September as well. He already has four multi-hit games in the month of September. 
And he and Von Grissom both are off to great starts in September through the first week of the month. The Troublemakers are a combined 21 for 45 at the plate. That's a 466 average with three doubles and four home runs. So they just continue to impress. They continue to make adjustments. We've seen Michael Harris kind of go through his stretch where, you know, he was hot early, then kind of cooled off. And now he's he's kind of made some adjustments and is hot again. We've seen Von Grissom, you know, his first two or three weeks was on, you know, you couldn't get him out. And then he has a little bit of a lull, and now he seems to be making the adjustments and is back on it again. We've seen that opposite field approach from him pay off, reach base seven times in this two-game set in Oakland. So those two young kids get it going. The question that I have that a lot of you have, and I've had some of you ask this, this question, which we don't know the answer to, but how will they respond in the postseason? You know, they've obviously done great in the regular season. They've come up and they, you know, have look like they have all the confidence in the world. But postseason's a different animal, and you're going to be facing a team's best pitchers every single day. How will they respond to that? We don't know. Again, all I can go off is what I see now, and there seems to be no lack of confidence in the, either of these guys' games, especially not Spencer Strider either on the pitching side of things. So that's going to be – you know, a big question mark until we actually see it because these three, Strider, Grissom, and Harris, have become a big part of the Braves' success, and certainly they'll be needed in the postseason. But we don't know how they're going to respond to that pressure, how they may respond to an over four or three strikeout game. You know, how do they come back the next day? That will be something big to monitor as the Braves get into the postseason. But what we've seen so far, nothing's really slowing them down. They've done a great job making adjustments. Again, they play with a ton of, of confidence and love for the game. So interested to see how that works out and certainly can't wait to see all three of them in the postseason. All right, next, I want to give you some update on some news. Waskar Enoa, uh, the rehab uh, assignment for Ozzy Albies. And talk about the Braves in the late innings, how exactly they've been getting it done. We'll discuss that next. Came as a bit of a surprise with some news on Wednesday. Waskari Noah, who hadn't pitched in a while, a little while for the Atlanta Braves, uh, it was announced by the team who broke the news, as they often do, that he had Tommy John surgery. Um, again, I had heard no hints that he was injured, that this was something he was thinking about, but turns out he's already had it, already had successful surgery. So he will be out for all of 2023, maybe some of 2024 as well. So hate to hear that for Waskar Enoa. Obviously, you know, was huge for the Atlanta Braves in the first half of the 2021 season. Punched that Paul that wall in Milwaukee and was really, you know, had a couple of good starts after coming back from that. But in September last year, just completely fell apart, was a non-factor in the postseason. You know, had a couple of starts at the beginning of this year, didn't go well, and honestly just hasn't had a great season for Gwinnett either, maybe. Um, you know, the elbow injury had a little something to do with that. But either way, he's having Tommy John surgery, so he'll be out for all of next year. We'll see what the future holds for Waskari Noah. Certainly wish the best for him. Ozzy Albies finally got to continue his rehab assignment on Wednesday. Gwinnett's had several rainouts over the last couple of days. Uh, Ozzy goes one for five with three strikeouts on Wednesdays. Now three for 12 in his rehab with no walks, four strikeouts in three games. 
Crazy to say this, but there's no need to rush Ozzy Albies back right now with the way Von Grissom is playing. And honestly, with the way Mar Marcelo Zuna has been hitting since rejoining the lineup in left field, there's no rush to bring Ozzy Albies back. Let him continue to play, get some at bats, hopefully, you know, get back to his, his normal self and then come up, you know, when the Braves need him. You know, he's going to be that guy. If anything, he's bringing you great defense at second base, and then we know what he can do when he's fully back with the bat. Um, but it, it's just crazy right now. The Braves have an all-star second baseman rehabbing, and there's just really – you feel like there's no rush to bring him back. And that's just the way this Braves offense, this Braves lineup is is built right now. Um, there's just not a lot of weaknesses in that lineup. Um, some injury news for the Mets. I mentioned Max Scherzer on the IL. Starling Marte has fractured a finger in his day-to-day. -day. Uh, the Mets say he's going to just try to play through it, um, but certainly that's a, a big blow for them. We'll see how that affects Starling Marte down the stretch. I wanted to end talking about the uh, the late innings for the Atlanta Braves. Kind of had this question or comment rather sent to me on Twitter. Again, any questions, comments, feedback you have for the podcast, make sure you tag us at lockdown underscore Braves. But it seems like the Braves have been better in the late innings, especially in the second half of the season. Now, these stats I'm about to give you, these are for the totality of 2022. So they're not great. But you look at the seventh inning, the Braves are sixth in OPS at 744. You look at the eighth inning, they're fifth in home runs with 20, but just 15th in OPS. And in the ninth inning, they're ninth in OPS at 706, 12th in home runs. So the overall numbers won't tell you the Braves are great late innings. Again, I think they've done a, a better job in the second half of adding on runs late in those seventh, eighth innings in particular. Um, seventh inning, they've been really good. Like I said, sixth in OPS, second most runs scored in the seventh inning. But when you break it down inning by inning, it's really those middle innings where the Braves are feasting. And that's kind of what just my eye test has seen from what I remember from a lot of these Braves games. It seems like they'll struggle sometimes first, second inning, third inning. And then once they've seen a pitcher a second or third time, that's when they really start to take off. And in the fifth inning, they are first in all of baseball on home runs with 35. They're first in OPS at 851 and have the third most runs scored in the fifth inning. So the numbers kind of bear that out as well. And you look at this Braves offense this year, what they've really done a great job of is adjusting at bat to at bat from the same pitcher. Now that scares me a little bit in the postseason where you may go a whole game and see a different pitcher every time up. Um, you know, you may have a starter that's just going five innings and then you're going to your best relievers in the bullpen. But the Braves have done a great job adjusting it bat to bat. And you've seen, you know, the longer pitchers out there, that fifth inning, sixth inning, that's when an off the offense can really start to take off and put up a crooked number, especially with those home runs, as we've seen. And as we saw on Wednesday, I think kind of bears that out as well. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow answering your questions. It'll be a Mailbag Friday podcast with the off day on Thursday, so make sure you send in any questions. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. That starts tonight, I believe. Uh, not a huge NFL guy, but uh, it is an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts 
of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into the Ultimate NFL Preview Show. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 